Well, one final good morning to all of our guests today. Thank you for joining us for the first time or the first time in a long time. We're glad that you're here with us in the worship center. For all of those who are not able or ready to gather physically, thank you for watching us live online. Come on, church. Can we just praise God for all of those who are joining us however they can today? I am uh, grateful to continue the conversation this week as we continue to measure and evaluate some possible toxicity in our hearts, in our homes, and unfortunately even in God's house. The last week and this week we're evaluating toxic church. Next week we're going to move forward on Father's Day, I believe. Next week is Father's Day. So guys, come back. We're going to step on your toe. No, we're not going to do that next week. We're going to talk about the refined church. Come on, the fire of God can either be uh, purifying or it can be punishing. And what the fire of God does is completely up to us. So come back next week. Hey, we have a very special guest with us today. Uh, With no further ado, I want to bring to the stage this morning my friend, a friend of this church, an anointed and gifted artist and pastor, but more importantly, husband, father, and man of God, New Hope, a familiar face and voice. Would you please help me welcome Pastor Kervin Brewington to the stage this morning. We're just going to break the social. I'm going to hug you. Well, let's go. Hey, I'm so excited to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Listen, thanks for answering the phone two weeks ago. Absolutely. Um, Everybody didn't answer the phone. When I, everybody doesn't answer the phone because they assume that when the pastor's calling, he needs something. Right. I get a lot of voicemails. Yeah. But you answered. I and did, I'm, bro. I'm grateful. <laughs> hey, I want to dive right in for the sake of time this morning. Um, we want to have a conversation today. We preached just last week on, on consideration and conversation and ultimately communion. And, and I believe that, that you and I and even our families have been able to begin to build a bridge and break down the barrier. And that is the point of the conversation today. It's not to to throw up more guards. It's not to to raise more concerns. It is to break down barriers and to build walls. So I asked you, and I want to let our church hear what you had to say to me. I asked, how, how do I as a, and, and unapologetically, okay, just honestly, how do I, as a pampered, and I am, if that's not your story, but I was a pampered white male from North Louisiana, how do I understand yeah. the outrage? Help me to understand the underlying outrage that is really sure. happening right now in our nation and, and even, man, in our own community. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, let me just start by saying, you know, first of all, that I just honor you and your, your bride for being the leaders that you are, because there are a lot of pastors around this country and around the world that are being silent mm-hmm. when they need to be vocal. So can we just take a minute to just give God thanks just for the leadership here, the shepherds in his house. Um, and so, uh, you know, you know, PC, I think that where we are right now Oh, man, I, I heard someone use the term the other day, uh, the disruption, hmm. the disruption that has taken place where, you know, everyone's social media feed is just just inundated with with these issues, the civil unrest that we're seeing. And um, it's all you see on online. It's all you see in the news outlets and media. Um, 
but the reality is that for, for black America, what most are calling an interruption or a disruption is the nightmare that we live, that I've lived in my whole life. Mm. Uh, the awareness that there is an oppression that I was born into that, that I didn't ask for, um, that stems back f- over 400 years. Mm. Um, and that oppression looked different in different seasons yeah. uh, over those 400 years. And we've made strides and we're continuing to make strides. But listen, we still have a long ways to go. Mm. And, um, and I believe that in this hour that, you know, I know for me personally, whenever I first saw, you know, uh, the clip of George Floyd, man, the, the first thought that came to my heart and in my mind was just, I'm tired. Mm. And I'm just exhausted, man. I, I'm, there's nothing left to be said. There's nothing new that can be said in these conversations. Um, and I'm just exhausted and we're just ready to see change, you know? And so, um, you know, as a black man with, with two black sons, I have a daughter as well, but with two black sons, I see this happen. And to me, it's not some, some thing that happened, you know, but man, this, I see that and I, I think about my own children and, um, and it's, it's disheartening. Um, but I also have hope, man, that, yeah. that God is working in the midst and uh, it's time for, for his people to rise up and to be the solution. Amen. Yeah. So I, I want to break down again, just to, to break those barriers down. I love what Pastor John Gray said in conversation with Pastor Stephen Furtick. And I have listened. I'm a better listener, believe it or not, better listener. Maybe I'm just not a good reader. Yeah. I'm a better listener than I am a reader. And I'm not really good at either one. I'm looking at your wife, though, to see what she says about that yeah, statement. Yeah. But you know. Nobody asked her, so she's... <laughs> she's but she'll tell me whether I ask right. her or not. Come on. <laughs> but, but I've listened to so much. And one of the things that Pastor John Gray said that I just want to, again, lower the guard and break down the barrier today is that nobody wants me to feel bad for being a white man. Right. No, we're not carrying the conversation over into white privilege or uh, a lack of recognition in, in this area. But this is honing in on something that still exists, and not just in our society, but in our sanctuaries. And that's my issue. Like, I expect the world to act like the world, but I expect the church to act like Jesus. Right, right, right. That's that's the difference. Absolutely, absolutely. So, what were you going to say? No, I was going to just kind of share an example, you know. um, So, for me personally, you know, I, a couple couple examples. So, about uh, a year ago, to, almost to date, actually, um, a year and maybe a few days ago, my wife and I were invited to a conference uh, over in northern Alabama, and we're there, and I was uh, performing music and preaching alongside another very well-known um, speaker in certain circles. Uh, if I said his name, everyone here would know who he is, but I will refrain. Um, but uh, I get there to this event, and I'm on stage, and I'm doing a song, calling down revival asking God to meet us here and someone taps me on the shoulder like that you know so I turn around and it's the other speaker the 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 other pastor that was a guest there like I was and he had a microphone in his hand now mind you I'm a man of the spirit so I'm thinking he must have a word so I'm like okay boo boo let's go you know my song can wait so um so I step back and he takes the center stage and he immediately starts yelling at the technicians to cut these lights off, cut that garbage off, 
You kids sit down, turn these smoke machines off. This is the house of God. And everything that this young man represents, this culture that he's brought in here is not of God. The spirit of God is not here. He is not pleased. And he just goes on for about 10 minutes just defaming my character in front of about six to 700 people. So then about 30 minutes later, I'm in the green room backstage, and I'm there, and I'm just weeping like a child, man. I'm just so broken, so humiliated. And, um, and then the lead pastor of the church comes in, and rather than having any concern, you know, his whole, his, his whole, his whole premise is uh, his focus is on his church, the reputation of his church, hmm. this conference. We're going to lose out on registration for tomorrow. What am I going to do? I'm going to be in the newspapers. And I'm sitting here just broken. Like, bro, do you even, see, like, did you see what happened? And then he makes a statement. He says, you know, maybe you shouldn't have been here. Maybe, maybe you don't belong here. And he goes on to say, I think you should sit down with the speaker and let him kind of share his heart with you why he said what he said. And in that moment, man, I just realized we have a long ways to go. Hmm. It hurt my heart. And then that was, you know, that was years ago. I'm sorry, the story I just told you, I, I got my two stories mixed up. That happened about five or six years ago. Then just last year to date, um, my wife and I were invited to another conference. I, I got to stay away from these conferences, bro. <laughs> but after, after you come to our camp nights. After your, nights, after camp nights, yes. I'm done. After camp nights. Because <laughs> yeah, so you, quit, you come into camp nights. <laughs> yes. Like, we just announced it. You got to yeah, come. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> and so, um, so, yeah, a year ago, it was another, another conference we were at. And, um, and we get there. So the, the, the event was actually in Florida, in a city in Florida. But... You know, I, I heard Florida. I'm thinking Orlando. I'm thinking everyone's vibey. It's cool. It's Florida, right? But it was actually like northern Alabama. And so as soon as we get there, I'm just like, we are not in Kansas anymore, babe. Um, we just felt the tension. It was just in the air. Mm. And um, come to find out, we were there right in the middle of some racial divide in this particular church that brought me in. Because he had hired Yes, he had hired uh, an African-American man uh, to be the worship pastor in the church. Now, mind you, the, what he did, though, he had never up until that point, never once addressed racial issues. Hmm. He had never once addressed racial equality or injustice, but then just hired him and brought. You see, a lot of people want an optic of diversity, but hmm. they're not really ready to put their hands to the till Come and on. fight for it. Come on. And so that's what happened. And so that week of the conference, the pastor had been getting hate mail, like, how dare you bring that monkey up here to parade in front of us? How dare you? But we're leaving our tithe, you know, just on and on. So then here I show up in the middle of all that for this conference. <laughs> Great timing. <laughs> so anyways, I, you know, the pastor never came out Thursday, never came out Friday, never came out, out Saturday. And I was scheduled to preach three services Sunday morning. And... Um, that Saturday night, the youth pastor came over to me. The youth pastor had only been on staff for about six months. Mm. So, again, he was unaware of what he had stepped into. And he came up to me with tears in his eyes, and he said, bro, I'm sorry, man. My, my pastor says you're not welcome here. And so we canceled your room for the night, and I have no love offering. I have nothing for you. The whole trip was just out of our pockets, you know, and just sent us home. And uh, let me just tell you, on that ride back, having my, my son in the back seat ask, Dad, why, why were they so ugly to us? Like, what did you do wrong? Now, those are conversations that I am going to have to have with my children, you know, 
time and time again. Hmm. And it just shouldn't be so, man. And so what you said is so true. This isn't an issue that's just in the streets, in the schools, in the workplace, in our government. It is, we see it in the church. But that is not the heart of God, man. If there's any place where men and women should gather, regardless yeah, of the color on. of their skin, and feel unity and peace, it's in the house of God. Amen? Right. So that hurts deep, though. Yeah, so it, I just to, to raise the awareness, the reason that we're sharing this, first of all, we can't do anything because we want to look the right way. Right. We, we have to do what we do because it's a theological and biblical conviction. Like that's why we're having this. Cause it's not because I want to sit with a black brother and make myself look better. I don't even like, like I was arguing with God about how this series fit. Like I'm not just responding to uh, the mainstream media or God forbid social media. I mean, I'd never write a sermon on scripture if I responded to social media all the time. But so we're not just responding here. I I believe what we're doing is we're finally responding. Like we're finally speaking. The church, white, black, Asian, the church, the one church is rising up and saying, hey, of Judah Smith, great example. I, I heard between our conversation on Thursday and this morning, Judah Smith pastors a church in Seattle, incredible communicator, great man of God. He said, I'm tired of hearing the word broken. Our system is not broken. It was built this way. Wow. This is the way that the system, we are experienced the byproduct of a system that was built in the United States of America. Have we ever truly been united? Are we trying to rehabilitate something that was broken? No, we're trying to rebuild something that was never righteous to begin with. That is the conversation that we're having. And I was talking with a friend of mine just this week actually and I don't know if this is just a new wave of, of, of God's heart to those who would hear but I was talking with a buddy and you know we use this term reconciliation mm-hmm. you use it I use it we all use it along these lines but my buddy he said curve he said how would you define reconciliation or to be reconciled and I said well I mean that's two things coming back together mm-hmm. and he proposed the same thought he says when in America has white and black ever been united? Hmm. How can you reconcile something that was never in unity in the first place? And so I I took that, I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know, well, theologically, how do I respond to that? So what did I do? I went to God in prayer, amen? I went to God and I began praying about it. And the Lord took me to the passage in Isaiah where where the Isaiah prophesies the word of the Lord. God says this through the prophet, he says that, he says, behold, I am doing a new thing. Yeah. He says, I'm doing a new thing. And I love, he goes on to say, do you not perceive it? (laughs) I mean, hello, come on church. Yeah. Let's wake up. God is saying, do you not realize that there's a new work that he's, that that I want to do in this earth and I want to do it through the church. There's no legislation, uh, legislation. Oh, I can't say the word. (laughs) There's no law. Come on. (laughs) Second service. There is no law that will ever be passed that can change the heart of man. Right. It has to start with the church and God is doing a new thing, man. There is no, there is no, there is no point of reference that we can look to in the past where we sung kumbaya together. No, 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 no. There's a new thing that God wants to do. So my, my, my prayer, my question to God is, well, Lord, what is that new thing? Yeah. 
What does that new thing look like? And I really felt, man, my wife and I, we've been talking over this concept, just brewing over it, praying about it, fasting about it even. And, uh, and I felt the Lord give me, give me one word, and that word is humility. Hmm. The new thing that God wants to do is going to be rooted in the soil of humility. And that humility works on both sides. Yeah. It works on the side of my African-American brothers and sisters, as well as on the side of white America. And um, if I can just, you want me to keep, just jump in there? So here's Dive the, in, bro. Dive yeah, so, in. so here's the deal. <laughs> here's the deal. I, I, people ask, you know, what is, the, what is the heartbeat of black America right now with everything going on? And I touched on it earlier, just this exhaustion. But I feel that at this hour, there's nothing new to be said that has not already been said. Yeah. Black America, we have fought, we have protested, we have rioted, we have, we, 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 we've gone to the Senate, we've stormed Capitol Hill, we've marched, and still in 2020, we feel as if our voices are just not, it's clear that America's not hearing our voice. Mm. So my challenge to the black community and I share this, and, and, you know, and I just may make black people mad right now, and I'm going to make some white people mad in just a second. Your turn's coming, all right? Here we go. <laughs> but here's the deal. I've been telling my black brothers and sisters, listen, maybe it's time. Maybe the new thing that God wants to do is to stop making it about us versus them. Mm. To stop battling against flesh and blood and understand that it's principalities that are amidst all of this. There's Come on. There's a scheme. There's right? a scheme. It's a scheme and a tactic of the enemy. So my, my, at this hour, I feel that God's heart, you know, for the black community is to say, hey, maybe it's not me against you, but the fact that, hey, we need you to amplify our voices because mm. America's not hearing us on our own. So therefore, can we partner together as the church, as brothers and sisters, regardless of the color of our skin, can we partner together and unify our voices for equality for all people? Right. I believe that has to happen. And can I tell you something? That's humbling to do. Hmm. It's humbling to do when you've been fighting this fight for all of these years. It's humbling. Yeah, because it's our nature. We have self-protection mechanisms Absolutely. built in. And, and our nature is whenever I begin to support a cause that doesn't benefit me, right. I automatically have to fight against my desire to mm -hmm. fight for the things that would have been beneficial to me. Absolutely. And well, what, wait a minute, what am I going to give up if I give in? Absolutely. And we become, I believe, we become more concerned about a mantra than we do a man. Absolutely. And we're struggling to balance between the two. And that's why I called you. That's why you answered. That's why we're having the conversation is I want to understand. I want to understand what, what you faced legitimately, the society aside, which that's another issue. You can't have reconciliation in society until you have repentance in a sanctuary. Absolutely. You cannot have reconciliation without repentance. And repentance and judgment has got to start in the house of God with the people of God. Absolutely. And I think that part of the problem for the evangelical Christian church in America primarily is that we are so inundated with opinions mm. and voices and talking heads on CNN and MSNBC and Fox News and XYZ and ZKL, whatever, all the alphabet letters. 
we're, we're inundated with so much noise mm. and so many opinions and varying ideals and philosophies that, that we forget the fact that whenever we face these, these cultural, social, uh, economic issues, I'm talking about the big stuff. I'm talking yeah. about immigration. I'm talking about, uh, I'm talking about these issues where the line gets drawn in the sand mm. and where people take sides. Anytime we face these types of, of, of behemoths, we, we, there's always an earthly perspective. There's always an earthly approach to look at it. But then there's also a kingdom approach to, uh, yeah. to take to it. And the reality is that seldom, if ever, will the earthly approach and the kingdom approach see eye to eye. Right. Listen, we don't fight against flesh and blood. That's it. And I believe the problem is that so often we as Christians forget that before we're white Americans, before we're black Americans, that we are first children of God representing an eternal kingdom and that our time on this earth, our time on this earth is to, our, is to be peacemakers, yeah. not peacekeepers, Come on. but to be those who establish, create, cultivate peace on earth. And, um, and I just, I refuse, I refuse as a believer to be in the lining of any political party's pockets. Mm. Uh, before I'm a Democrat, I am a Christian. Before I'm a Republican, I'm a Christian. That has got to become the mantra of the church. Mm. I believe it with my whole heart. Yeah, so I, I, one of my favorite signs, and I walked, I marched yesterday. I didn't really march. just kind of casually strolled down <laughs> 2nd Street yesterday and and to to the pavilion where worship was set up where there was a peaceful gathering where I was offered the opportunity to say something where other pastors across the community other leaders across the community um, our our police and our first responders were recognized and celebrated but we were there to hear from those who are hurt yeah. by what you've been hurt by, that leaving the 99 and going after the one, me saying, hey, no longer does that pastor get to continue being credentialed in this fellowship. I'm going to treat racism the same way I treat adultery. Come on. I'm going to treat uh, prejudice the same way that I would punish that the same way that uh, uh, an out loud sin. And in fact, you're not going to be able to hide in the shadows of a sanctuary, in the shadows of a congregation. Your division is going to be so obvious that we're going to put you out in front of everybody and show everybody like God did Pharaoh. This is how you cannot be and be his child. Racism and righteousness cannot coexist. You cannot be Christian. You cannot be like Jesus and be prejudiced. Have a pre judgment. So, so here's where we're, as we come in, because I want you to be able to take the time without feeling rushed. And again, I'm asking you, I believe we don't have the conversations because I, as a white man, don't want to say the wrong thing and offend people that I really care about. And you as a black man, you know, we're not just going to throw a blanket over this thing and say, well, all sin and we're all one body, which is true. Um, But Jesus said the good Samaritan. The Bible says the Samaritan woman. I mean, he may as well have been saying black. He may as well have been saying Asian, white, native. He was speaking to... When Peter had a vision, Peter 
called the vision unclean. And before God could ever use Peter for revival, he had to address his racism. Before the gospel could ever go out unadulterated, he had to deal with Peter's prejudice. So help us. So because, because I want my children to marry the person that God has for them. I want them to see skin, but I want them to know the heart. I want your sons and your daughter to not have to go through what you went through to get to where you are. And I, I need your help. I need to understand how do we make sure that this is not just an emotional moment, even in the church, that we truly move forward, not move on, but we move forward together. Yeah. So I think that the start, you know, and, and I remember when you called me just uh, the other week, you reached out. And again, I was speaking about humility and that being the common factor, the common denominator. And there are a lot of folks, man, that, you know, they don't know where to start. Mm. They don't know how to have these conversations. Yeah. When, I, when I tell you I've done two to three Zoom calls the past two weeks every day. Two to three phone calls nonstop with friends of mine, white Americans who love the Lord, just saying, I don't know where to start, Curve. Help me. I don't understand. And can I just say that even saying that is better than saying nothing at all? Yeah. Because in our silence, we're actually saying everything. Even if that's not your heart, that's how it's perceived. And so, um, so I thank you for reaching out. Um, so going back to that, that, that new thing that God is doing, I shared with you what it looks like on the side of, of, of me and my people. Now, for white America, that new thing, there's five thoughts I wanna share with you. Here are five ways that, that you can start today being a part of the solution. I believe the first thought, the first thought I wanna share with you is this. You've got to identify your blind spots. I'm gonna say we, we have to identify our blind spots. Mm. Listen, who we are today, who you are today is a result of so many varying factors. Yeah. Uh, the town that you were raised in, uh, the social class that, that God placed you in, uh, your, your, your cultural upbringing, your family of origin. Uh, there's so many factors that have built you to be who you are today. Hmm. And we would be foolish to think that not just the good has made us who we are, but that the bad has not. We'd be foolish to believe that. What, 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 what do I mean by that? Here's, here's what I mean. As a black man, if I was raised my entire life hearing my father or my uncle or my aunt always talking about, oh, the white man's trying to keep us down, the white man, the white man, the white man. Well, guess what? As I grow up, I'm going to have a bias towards white men yeah. somewhere in my heart. Now, does that mean that it's shown out blatantly and out loud? Maybe not. But there's something here yeah. that, that is there. Vice versa. If you grew up in a home, if you are a white American and you grew up in your home and around the dinner table or at family functions, you have that uncle or that grandfather that makes off-color jokes or you heard the N-word thrown around here or there, you saw or experienced bias, can I tell you, we would be foolish to believe yeah. that that has not planted some root deep down on the inside of us. Yeah. So here's the deal. A lot of these biases and these, you know, the way we are, I'm not... You cannot help the way you are. I, I'm not saying that it's, it's, how do I say this? It's okay to recognize where you are, 
but it's not okay as children of God to stay there. Yeah. We cannot stay. Listen, Jesus loved us enough to meet us where we are, mm. but he loves us enough to not leave us the way he finds us. Yeah. We've got to identify those blind spots, man. Yeah. And we got to address them. we got to lay them bare before the heart of God, before his holy light, mm. and allow him to speak his word over us. Not what society's saying, not what social media is saying. We've got to allow our hearts and our minds to be washed by the word yes. of God. Yes. Yes. Identify the blind spots. Second thought is this. You've got to educate yourself. It is so important to educate yourself. Now, again, I'm not talking about educating yourself by the left wing or right wing thoughts on, on media. Definitely not on social media. No, 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 no. Yeah. But there are tons of books. There are tons of podcasts. There are tons of even movies. Uh, we just watched a movie the other night, Just Mercy. I don't know if you've seen that movie, but I encourage you to watch. It's a powerful movie. Um, that, that speaks to these injustices. And, and it's important that we educate ourselves because here's the deal. We will never be able to defeat that which we can't properly define. You can only defeat what you're able to define. Right. You're able to define injustice, racism, and bias only through educating ourselves. Thirdly, you need to just listen. Yeah. Just listen. And can I just say right now uh, that I thank you because that's what you've done here these past few moments. Mm. Um, you've listened. You've heard my story. You've, you've heard a perspective that maybe you've never considered. And, and, I, and I, I, can, I, I thank you for that. You know, in my home church just last week, my pastor got up on stage and he preached a message and he, he, he touched on some of these issues. And I'm ashamed to say it, but there were a couple of people that got up and walked out. Mm. And so I thank you for not doing that today. I thank you for listening. And I believe that as we listen to stories and as, we, as you engage with individuals that don't look like you that don't dress like you that Come maybe on. don't talk like you then yeah. you will realize that in that relationship of trust we can then bring truth across that bridge yeah wow and we empathize and out of empathy we're driven to action mm. so just and hey let me say this too don't listen just to respond well, come on that's a whole nother thing yeah don't listen just to respond don't well, yeah, I know that he died, but did you? No. Mm -mm. Well, yeah, I know that, you know, they're, 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 you know, they're protesting about the right, no, but, but, no, no, no buts. Just listen and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and let the heart speak to you about, from, 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 of people that are walked through and are walking through things that you may not ever understand. Number four, be vocal. Be vocal. Listen, I've been on Facebook. We are very vocal about the things we want to be vocal about, right? Come on. We're very vocal about the things that... Which is, a, by the way, an indicator of the things that we're most prejudiced about. Wow. Because that's what makes us the most angry. Absolutely. It's an indicator. What Absolutely. makes me the most angry is an indicator of where I am most biased, Absolutely. most prejudiced. Absolutely. So very true. So we've got to be vocal, man. We, we, we've, we, we can't... Uh, it's got to go beyond just a post on Facebook. Hmm. It's got to go beyond just a post on Instagram. It's got to go beyond just liking or sharing an interview or a video clip. Man, we've got to be vocal year-round. we got to be vocal in our workplace. Hmm. we got to be work, uh, vocal at the, at the dinner table. Come on, yeah. Listen, for some of us, it's going to be hard. Hmm. Listen, I'm going to go there. Jesus said, I don't think that I've come to bring peace. I've come to bring a sword. He said to, to divide uh, mother from daughter, father from son. What does that mean? Here's, here's what it means. And it's going to hurt some of us. 
Because if we're going to really fight this war against racism and injustice, and if we're really going to be the church that Jesus died for, then guess what? It just may cost you a few friendships. Come on. It just may cost you some relationships. It just may mean that you may have to confront that family member that is always making these comments and that your family shrugs. It just may take someone holding that person accountable and it may make your family upset and it may make people feel awkward around you. But what did Jesus say when he was in the home preaching to his followers? They came and said, hey, Jesus, your family's outside. Your mom and your brothers are outside. What did he say? He said, this is my family. The ones that the Father has given me, this is my family. But it's going to take us being vocal. It's going to take us using our influence. It's going to take us using, like John Gray said, I love that statement. He says, no one should feel guilty for being white, just like I shouldn't feel guilty for being black. Yeah. But the reality is that as white America, and here in my heart, it is important that you are at least aware, that you are at least aware of the, of the privilege that you do have. But here's the deal. We can use that for good. I heard a story this week, dude, it just, I, I loved it. So I didn't know this, but Ella Fitzgerald, when she first started her career, no clubs would let her in to sing because of the color of her skin. She was turned down left and right. No clubs, no bars, no one would let her in. But then she had a good friend by the name of Marilyn Monroe, who was America's sweetheart. And guess what Marilyn Monroe said? She went to every club and every music venue in the city, and she said, if you book Ella Fitzgerald, then I promise you, I will be on the front row of that concert every single night you bring her in. So what happens? The place was packed. Ella Fitzgerald's career took off. What is that? That is an example of someone using their influence yeah. or privilege. Call it whatever you want. But yeah. she was vocal, and she used her influence to make a difference, right. to open a door for someone yeah. who was being oppressed, for someone who was being... Uh, who injustice was being taken out upon. Yeah. And we have, a, we, we, we have the um, responsibility to do yeah. that. All right? The last thought I have, and really it's the most important, man. Uh, we got to pray. Yeah. Come on, church. I said we got to pray. We've got to pray harder now than ever before. Because the reality is this. God's, God said in his word that if my people who are called by my name Look at your neighbor. Say, that's you. Tell him. That's you. That neighbor was stuck up. Look at your other neighbor. Say, that's you, boo-boo. That's you. Right? God said that if my people who were called by my name, not the world, not the pagans, not the lost, but my church. Yeah. He said, if my church, if they would humble themselves and seek my face, if they would turn, turn. from their wicked yes. ways. Come on. He said, then will I hear from heaven. Then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive your sins. And I will bring healing to your land. Come on. And I'm telling you, I don't know if you've looked around, but we are in desperate need of healing. We need healing in this nation. We need healing in the body of Christ. We need healing in our homes. We need healing on Capitol Hill. We need healing in our world. And I don't know about you, but I refuse to sit back 
and wait for a law to be passed to bring that healing. I refuse to sit back and wait for a protest or a march to bring that healing. I refuse to sit back and wait for a movement or a campaign. I will do my part. I will get on my knees and I will cry out to God. I will love my brother the way I love my, my biological brother. I will pray and I will pray until revival falls. And that's our responsibility as the church. This is the first time I've said this out loud, but it fits. I haven't posted this publicly because of how it may be perceived. But what needs to take place in the streets, in society, in our sanctuaries, is not going to be done by knees of punishment. It's not, it's not going to be done by knees of protest. I'm boycotting the NFL. Boycott the NFL. They're not going to care. What needs to take place is going to be done by knees of prayer. I, I can't. I can't watch your children. What if he would have left and never came back? Not the house of God, but God. If this is how your people are and they represent you, then I'll go somewhere else. I read this past week. That's what happened to Gandhi. Gandhi grew up in India in a caste system, but read about a man named Jesus that he perceived to be the answer to the caste system that caused him to be stuck in whatever demographic or social area that he was stuck in. But he read about a man named Jesus. So he thought, man, if I can meet these people and if they will love me the way that he says he loves me, then surely this could be a solution to what I've been experiencing. So he went to church and in the back of the church, he encountered an usher that told him he needed to leave because he could not worship here. He needed to go worship with his people. So Gandhi left. That usher can't stay in this church. That usher can't stay. That pastor can't preach anymore. It is not okay. Our silence is causing this conversation to have to be louder. The protest to be more incorrigible. We've got to start something new. For the next, I, I believe that we can raise a generation that doesn't know racism. I believe that we can raise a generation that's not afraid of a police officer. I believe that we can raise a generation that sees division as so ugly and so evil. That that is what stands out above all else. And I just believe that we can come to a place as a church where in the words of Michael Todd, we do not remain segregated and call it success in the kingdom of God. We need to be considerate. 
We need to have conversations. It's all very biblical, by the way. James says, let, let no partiality, no partiality, none. Like it's not allowed. It's not allowed. It can't, Christ can't exist where this does. Paul speaks to it. He says, let there be no divisions, live in harmony. Let there be no divisions among you. Philippians 2, 3, and 4, don't be selfish. Do not do things to impress others. Be humble. That's what he says, be humble. Because you'll either look like Lucifer or you'll look like Jesus. There's no gray area. It's a black and white issue. No pun intended. Be humble. (laughs) Be humble. Be humble. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with us today? Pastor Kervin, I want to ask you to pray over us and with heads bowed and eyes closed I will I will conclude the prayer and just offer an opportunity to ask forgiveness and repent so Lord we're here today God and uh, Lord we uh, come before you Lord humble hearts open and uh, Lord, we don't want to stay the same way that we've been but Lord we want to be a people who go from glory to glory. God, I I refuse, Lord, to be the one that after serving you for 15 years, 16 years, only to realize that I'm not a 16-year-old Christian, but I've really been a one-year-old Christian 16 times in a row. Lord, with a spiritually immature mindset, Lord God, not grasping, Lord, the, 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 the simplicities of your heart, for people. God, no, we refuse to stay where we are. God, we want to grow. We, we want you to change us. But we give you room to yes. disrupt our mindsets, our filters. Lord, we acknowledge our blind spots today. And we say, Holy Spirit, have your way in us. God, you, you desire, Lord God, more than anything else, Lord God, for your people to be in unity. God, I believe that unity is the platform upon which you are going to pour down revival. So, God, I just pray, Lord, that we, as Jesus prayed, Lord, in those last few hours before he went to the cross, Lord, he prayed that we, that we the church, that we as as his disciples, as his hands and feet, God, that we would be united as you and your Father are. So, God, that's what we ask for today. God, that we, we be united. Lord, God, that we would celebrate the differences in our culture. I pray, God, that we would see color and celebrate the brilliance of a creative God. Yes. Lord, I pray, God, that you would rid us of all bias, that you would rid us of anything that does not look like you. Yeah. Lord, expose those biases. Mm. Holy Spirit, I even ask you, Lord God, as we leave this place today, even this week, as we interact with our friends and families and coworkers, Lord, I pray, God, that you would even provide moments and instances, God, where you, by the power of your spirit, would even spotlight areas in us that are not like you. Mm-hmm. But I pray that you would convict us, Lord God, in those moments, God, and that we would turn to you and that we would lay our hearts bare and come humbly before you to do what only you can do in us. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for who you are, and Lord, for your promise of unity and peace in the earth and in your church. We love you and thank you. In your name, we pray. Jesus, we thank you right now. I just want to offer the opportunity for anybody in here. See, if if you feel far from God today, if, if you're not confident of who you are in Christ, if maybe 
your failure or your anger or any other area of your life is overshadowing what he's done for you. I just believe today that the healer is here. I believe that forgiveness is available. Our Father wants us to receive forgiveness, but we have to surrender our lives to Jesus to allow him to do what only he can do. If you need to commit or recommit your life to Jesus today, we want to pray with you. I want to offer you the opportunity right now, whether you're watching live or later, whether you're in the room or viewing from somewhere else, the simplicity of a confession. I want to invite you to open your hands right where you are as if God is handing you the gift of eternal salvation in his son. And church, I want to invite you and encourage you to pray with us today to confess him as Lord and let him have his way in our hearts. Come on, let's pray this together. Jesus, forgive me where I've fallen short, where I've been biased, inconsiderate, selfish. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross, being raised from the dead so that I could live. Lord, take my life, make it yours. May I follow you with all of my heart. May I be part of the answer and part of the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody celebrate God today.